Welcome to my potluck episode where there's a little bit of something for everybody. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it. And I love styling for my photo shoots. And most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, you're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. Hi, everybody. So today it is just me. It is a solo episode. And when I created this podcast, the idea was to interview lots of people, which I've been doing, but also have solo episodes. So I haven't been on here in a while by myself. I've been interviewing a lot of great people. I love the interviews. And so this week, what I'd like to do is have what I'm kind of calling like a potluck episode. I'm going to refer back to a couple of the recent episodes and some of the topics. I want to kind of discuss them a little bit deeper and also discuss some more current questions that have come up and things going on in our world and in the industry. So So that's kind of what this episode is going to be about. And I'm really looking forward to being here and chatting all about it. It just so happens today, I'm also a guest on another podcast. So you'll hear me chatting on the Only Girl on the Job Site podcast as well today. And one of the topics, there's a little bit of an overlap because we talk about being flexible right now with the way the supply chain is and construction jobs, renovation jobs, even just getting in furniture and decor. And so I'm going to expand on that a little bit more here. I also talk about it a little bit on her podcast because I was asked about it. So that will be one kind of common theme, but you'll get to hear me twice today on two different podcasts, which you can replay at any time. And that it's always kind of fun to be on somebody else's podcast because I'm so used to interviewing and I love doing it. I meet so many great people, but it was sort of fun to be asked the questions and be on someone else's. So that was pretty cool. So let's kind of start with, I have briefly touched on it, but I got a lot more in depth in my podcast with Kelly. And she was from the Butterfly Guide. If you haven't heard it yet, I strongly recommend going to her. She's really uh, just so amazing. But we talk a lot about, you know, sort of, well, her premise is really about going from 
you know, this sort of caterpillar to a butterfly, right? And it's really about things that happen in our life and and maybe things that we initially feel like are setbacks really kind of set us up for better things ahead. And she and I both had a personal story to tell and mine had to do with how I actually became an interior designer. Because what happened to me was I had been home full time with my kids. I had a husband who was traveling all the time and I really was alone a lot, child rearing and all kinds of things. And really had no time for me, like really for me. And I didn't realize that. What I felt that was I was taking care of my children. I was taking care of my family. I was taking care of the house. And I actually enjoyed all of that. So I didn't understand what after, you know, five or six years of doing that full time was making me so unhappy because I I was unhappy and I didn't know why. And it took actually my dad saying to me, I know you're busy. Like, I know you're not just, cause I said, I'm not like just sitting around doing nothing. You know, he's like, I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot to do, but are you fulfilled? And it was sort of like a big hundred ton crater knocked me on the head when he said that, because it's really easy as we're doing all these things, we're busy and we're doing. And in fact, Kelly talks a lot about the you know, doing versus being, but I wasn't really attending to myself. And it made me reflect and realize that I had always worked outside the home. I had a job. I was used to making some of my own money and contributing to the family. And all those things had gone to the wayside. And I realized that those things were very big parts of me. And I needed to not neglect those parts and sort of get back to it. So you can hear the story in more detail, but that led me to this field of interior design. And what was nice about it, especially at the time, because my kids were still little, was it did give me the flexibility to still be around for them. So I kind of had the best of both worlds. But I start with this story because it leads into then when I started an interior design business, what was my philosophy? Because lately I've really been thinking about a lot that for me forever since I've been doing this, I really am a bit different than other people in the industry. I just feel like the industry in and of itself, whether it intentionally tries to or not try to, it can be very intimidating for most people. And I don't like that. I know that some people have even relayed to me, they felt bad after they talked to a designer because the designer made them feel like they didn't have enough money or didn't have enough this or didn't have enough that. And I just think, honestly, that is just a bunch of crap. And I don't like to go there. I have had in the last 15 years, people with enormous budgets that I know didn't want to feel that way or made to feel that way or you know, they had enormous budgets, but they didn't want to deal with the attitude is what I'm trying to say. And I don't really blame them. And so really my approach always was no matter what your space is, no matter how humble a home you have or not, it can be made beautiful. And that really came from a premise that some of you may or may not know, but the one thing I hated the most I have always been a real creature of habit. I have always been really connected to my surroundings and to home, which is why I'm so passionate about home and helping you all with home. So when I moved into a dorm room freshman year of college, and it was literally like it had one window and the walls were cinder blocks. They were painted like a cream color, but they were cinder block walls and that brown wood furniture sort of stacked up. I It felt like a prison cell to me. Like I just... 
I just couldn't figure it out. And I had very, you know, you have half the room. So that was my first step into really like, how do I make this space my own? And I did. And I had like, I picked the favorite bed linens I want or wanted at the time. They were Laura Ashley and Laura Ashley didn't make a duvet in it. So I bought the sheets and my grandmother was an amazing sewer amazing at sewing. And so I had her make the duvet out of the sheets. I got the sheets for my bed. I got great stuff that I hung on the wall. I had, you know, a special lamp, all these things to like make me feel at home and make me feel connected. And so that's just one small example. From there, every apartment that I had, whether I was sharing with a roommate and in one instance, I had just the top floor. So I had a bedroom to myself in another small room. It was like, how do we take this space, you know, that's relatively minimal in square footage, but it can still be special. It can still be beautiful. It's my sort of piece of the house. And then when we got into our first house that we initially rented and then bought, it was a very tiny, relatively modest home. And it was like, again, how are we going to take this space and maximize it to its fullest potential? And so I always felt like that. And if I go back to my grandmother, who I just mentioned, she never had a lot of money. She always had a beautiful home. She sewed, she made her own curtains, she knew how to find things at tag sales. So the point is, I knew that you could have beauty around you, you could be connected to your home without having to sort of succumb to like any sort of status. And it's really about being creative, being open minded, being resourceful, mixing highs and lows, and not having a mindset that everything has to be super expensive. Everything has to be super high design for the house to be nice. That actually is not true. So I kind of wanted to start with that. It refers back to Kelly's episode. And it may be a tidbit that you don't know about me, but this whole sort of etymology of my business, and I called it at the time Bella Interiors. And the reason is that I have an Italian background. Bella means beautiful. And I felt that any space that you inhabit whether it is that dorm room, whether it is that one room you're sharing in an apartment, whether it is that first small house or first apartment, it can be beautiful. And that has always remained with me. And as I am, you know, pivoting my business in a way where I am wanting to serve more people and help more people, I think that message is more important because I do believe interior design should be accessible to you. It should be attainable. It shouldn't be stressful. It should be relatable. It it needs to be non-intimidating. And that really is the core of what I am doing. And I thought it was really important to talk about it on this podcast and really hit home with my message. Because the bottom line is like, I don't have time for any of that BS stuff. I never walked into a client like snotty with an attitude about my ego. It is not about that. It is about how are we going to make your house beautiful, feel good to you, function really well for you and your family the way that you want to use it. There are rules and there are not rules. So everyone thinks there's these hard and fast rules and there's a lot of rules that can be broken, adapted, changed, and looked at in a whole other way where you can have the home that you love and a home that is absolutely beautiful without that feeling of intimidation and frankly, snobbery. So not for me, not what you're going to get here. The services that I have designed over the last couple of years have all come from listening exactly to things my clients have told me and me saying, okay, how can I step in and be of help? 
How can I be of assistance? So I have free things that I give you all the time, including this podcast, other freebies I have, my Instagram posts and reels. I try to give valuable tips and information. And then when we get into paid services, let's talk about different levels of them, right? So I will get into that next. One of the most recent podcasts I did was with Megan and it's about DIY. And, you know, DIY has been popular for a while and I think it's getting even more popular, partially because, you know, with COVID, people have more time to do things. People are looking to save a little money. And I think people really like the creativity of it. One thing I want to impart is that people who don't deem themselves as creative will say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I can't do anything. I want to let you know you're wrong because everybody actually has creativity. It's just a matter of tapping into it. What's cool about DIY, whether you're just painting one piece of furniture or you're taking on like a whole you know, renovation project, wherever you are in the DIY spectrum, or you haven't started yet and you're just thinking about it, DIY actually taps into your creativity. And when you do that, if it's, you know, if you're not in a creative job position, what's cool about it is it becomes this outlet. It becomes therapeutic. When you get this self, this sense rather of accomplishment after you've able to, you know, learn about something and do it on your own, that sense of accomplishment and pride and self-esteem, it's really amazing all that it can do. And Megan and I talk a lot about this on the podcast, but I've talked to a lot of other DIYers recently, and it's been on my mind a lot recently because I have one mini course right now to help you accessorize your home. But in 2022, my goal is to come out with a course that shows you how to design and decorate one of your rooms the way that I would do it for you if you paid me full service. So again, that talks into about giving you free services giving you paid services at a lower rate, and then another paid service at a higher rate if you need some more handholding. So I like to have it all there for everybody to use because this way you can find where you're comfortable, how much attention you need, and get what you need either for free, for a smaller price, or for a little bit higher price. But the higher price isn't so high because what I do is I make it valuable. I mean, my high-priced service is actually less than one piece of furniture. And we all know if you buy one piece of furniture or paint a room wrong or do one design mistake wrong, well, you've already spent more than what my digital service costs. So I really try to make it very valuable. But with the courses too, I can reach more of you and help more of you. So with that too, after this podcast, I'd love you to DM me or hear from you on any specific things you also would like me to teach. But I am going to be working on on the course. And I think DIY is a really good outlet for people. It could become a hobby. And you'd also be surprised. Sometimes people start taking on DIY. It could become a little bit addictive, honestly, in a good way. And then there's some people that tap into something where they realize they have like a whole other skill set. And I know people that have left like certain careers entirely and taken on a whole new business of their own based on some things they've learned through DIY. So you never know what doors it will open. It's really quite amazing. So yes, I'd love to hear from you about DIY. If you are somebody who's thinking about it, if you've attempted it, kind of what level you are, if you'd like it. And what I'd really like to know is, would you like to have a DIY course that shows you how to decorate a room in your house on your own, but you have guidance from a professional, aka myself, showing you every step of the way what to do. And basically I'll take you through the steps of how I put a room together for a client 
when they hire me for my digital service. And I'll take you through all those steps and what to do. And you can do it on your own. So I'd love to hear your interest level in that. And if there are any other topics you would want me to teach that would interest you. And again, these will be at very affordable rates with really simplistic ways to view and digest the information so it's not too cumbersome. I want people to be able to take short amounts of their spare time and be able to retain it and execute it with not a lot of headache. Having said that, let's talk about what is happening in the world right now. And the supply chain with everything is just at a complete bottleneck. It has been this way for quite some time. It continues to really just get worse. So it has affected the home industry in a very large way. Everything from furniture to faucets to tile to lumber to copper, which makes up electrical parts to plumbing parts. It's not just a price thing. Yes, price has been driven up, but there's simply just delays upon delays upon delays. Appliances are delayed. A lot of toilets you can't get for at least six months now. So it can really put a damper on a project that you're kind of in the middle of, in the throes of, and you expected things to come in so the project can be completed. And it's simply going to have to be held until other materials can arrive. It also is something to think about if you are about to embark on a project that you really need to embark on. So it's come up a lot. I've had a lot of phone calls in the last two weeks for renovations and people who want to start to renovate now and have it done by New Year's. And frankly, I don't know that it's possible. Technically, can a contractor, if he has the materials on time, turn it around in that time frame? The people I work with, yes, they can. But right now we're not promising that because even materials that we were promised on a job and were told that were in stock, turned out they weren't. And it's thrown one of our jobs off by about six weeks just because of one particular material. Now, luckily, I was able to source an alternate, but it took quite a while. Years ago, what would happen is if something happened with an item that you chose that went on back order that was too long, you could pretty quickly find a substitute that was good, if not better, than what you had originally chosen. The problem right now is the system is so backlogged that even to get a substitute, I actually at one point thought it was going to be impossible and we we're just going to have to wait. And I lucked out about a week or so ago and found something that I was able to get right in on this particular job. But it's really hard. So what I'm telling people is you need to have a plan B. You need to have a what if. So if a job is saying it's going to take two months, four months, six months. You have to say, what if it goes beyond that? Where are we going to live? Can we live amongst the construction or not? Some construction you can, some construction you can't, and it's inhabitable. Some of you are renting and figure, well, I'm going to cut the rent off by January 1st. Whatever's done by January 1st, I'll move into the house. That's fine. Please make all your considerations. If you have small children, babies on the way, is the laundry room functional? Do you have a makeshift kitchen you can set up somewhere if the kitchen's being redone? If it's the primary bathroom being renovated, are the other bathrooms in use for the kids? So you have to really think things through. And one conversation I had with a client recently, based on her life circumstances and all the timing between the holidays, moving, kids, schooling, all kinds of things, I said, I have to be honest with you. I think you need to extend the lease that you're in another few months because here's your choice. you know. And the choice was to move in with major stress with a new baby, 
loud noises and banging, no laundry room, potentially not a finished primary bathroom, and a newborn and two kids at home. I mean, so you have to make the decision like everyone's a little bit different about what they can tolerate. How much stress can you tolerate or what is stressful to you? Would that be stressful to you or can you manage it? And everyone is different, but know yourself, be honest with yourself. And I know that it comes up, well, the extra three months rent is that much more money. That's completely true. And I'm not saying to discount a budget of any kind. However, you have to think about those extra three months versus like your sanity. Uh, Because I'm talking in this situation about having a, a brand new baby and no laundry or a brand new baby and no kitchen or a brand new baby and the banging and the other two kids home on holiday break and you're home on maternity leave. Like maybe those extra three months are worth every penny, right? So the value goes beyond the monetary at certain times. Or maybe it means putting the project off and saying, we are actually going to live in the house as is for a year and it functions fine. Everything works. It might just not be as what we want to look like. And we're going to start this at another date. You really have to have these conversations and really think about it. Your expectations have to be realistic because like I said, even with this one particular job I'm doing, everything or the particular item that was promised, hard promised that it was there, turned out we never got it. And it's just that one item that's holding up the whole job. So, you know, no matter, it could be the very best team working for you and these things are happening and they are just beyond everybody's control and it's hard to manage. So the only way to manage it is flexibility. Another example is if you're putting in, let's say faucets in a primary bathroom, we had this happen and the ones that they really wanted are on like a five month back order. There's a second choice that was really good that was in stock and it was close to it. But she said, you know, I really love those. This is the primary bathroom and that's just what I want. So I said, okay, here's what we can do then. If you know ahead of time, you're going to wait and they're going to be done or they're going to be in after the bathroom's completed, then we have to have a plan B, which is your choice. Number one is you just wouldn't have running water in the primary bathroom and you'd have to use other faucets. But I think the better choice is we buy something inexpensive. We go to like a Lowe's, a Home Depot, wherever you want to go. And we get something relatively inexpensive and it doesn't even have to match. It could be any finish. And it's so you actually have running water and can use those sinks until the others come in. And you just take the investment on those is minimal enough that you could either donate them, give them away, or you may be able to resell them for a certain amount of money. But you have to take, okay, what did those cost? And I'm talking about finding really pretty inexpensive ones, but that just run for you know a month or so to get you going. So it's thinking about those various things. Or the toilet's not going to be in, but we have a toilet. So we're going to have the plumber put you know, this one back in. But when the new one comes in, we will pay the plumber an extra fee to come out and switch the toilet out. So yes, it's an extra plumber visit, but you have use of a toilet for two months. So it's all these things that have to be weighed and all these things that have to be considered. Frankly, they always had to be in these various types of jobs, but now even more so because the the length of time is only worsening and you could be inconvenienced even longer. So It's really important to have a plan B. And I talk about this briefly on my other podcast with Renee because she works a lot in construction. So she kind of asked me my opinion on certain things, especially with the holidays coming and 
how you can kind of live in your home when some of this is going on. Or if you aren't living in your home and you have a rental and then you found out, you know, your job was supposed to be done by a certain day and it isn't, what do you do? Do you move into the home that's like partially under construction still or extend the rental? And again, that's got to be a personal decision based on what you think you can tolerate and what your budget can handle. So it's really important. Now, when it comes to furnishings, because sofas are on really long back orders. So all of my people that move from major cities to suburbs, I've always said before COVID, when you move to a new home, you all need a place to sleep, a place to eat, a place to relax. So if you have an old, ugly sofa that you don't like, and you know you're never going to use it in the new house, bring it to the new house. It's something to sit on. It can go in like a basement playroom later. It could be donated later or maybe sold on a Facebook community group and you could get a little bit of money towards something else you're using. So bring your old furniture because the wait times are going to be long and you want to be able to live and function as best you can while you're waiting for the new things to come in. So again, I always suggested that before COVID because sometimes you were still waiting six or eight weeks, which like now sounds like nothing, but now you're going to be waiting on upholstered products. They're up to like 20, 30 weeks and more. So depending on what you order and who you order from. So Always have this plan B. And when you do something like that, instead of like, you know, maybe walking by the sofa every day and it really bugs you because it's ugly. And, you know, I don't like people to do that in their home. I like people to feel good. But you have to just say, this is just for now. This is just temporary. So just having these temporary things, letting yourself, allowing yourself to feel and understand that it's just temporary will just put the whole thing at ease. I think that when we try to force and fight the fact of what's going on, we get frustrated, we get angry, we're tired, we're stressed. And honestly, there is nothing anybody can do in this particular situation to change it. This is unprecedented. I've been in the industry 15 years or more. I know a lot of other people and colleagues who have been 20 or more, whether it's a contractor, a plumber, electrician, a designer, a painter, none of us have seen it like this before. So know that it is unprecedented. You can get as frustrated, as mad, and as ugly as you want about it. It's not going to change anything. So if you sort of take a deep breath and say, how can we take what it is and make the most of it, make the best of it, have an alternate plan that's just temporary, you're going to get through the process of decorating your home or remodeling your home a lot easier. So if I could impart anything on you, it's about patience, flexibility, and coming up with a creative plan B. And if you're working with a contractor or designer, they can help you do that. I really try to help my clients do that as well. Like, okay, what, what can we do? You know, for example, this other person, I said, let's get you know, let's get faucets that are inexpensive. So you have running water. So things like that, it's really important to be able to think outside of the box and kind of go with the flow a little bit because it's not going to be worth your stress level. Okay. One of the last things I want to talk about, and it's come up several times. Again, I love listening to my customers. I get a lot of DMs, phone calls. And in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of great feedback and questions from people. So two things. One is that Moving from a city space to a suburban space, it's just naturally going to be a lot more square footage. And initially, that's really exciting because you're like, God, we're going to have all this space finally. I can have an office. The kids can have two separate bedrooms. We can have a playroom for them. And it's good. It's all a good thing, except that you get in, 
you realize the amount of furniture you actually have to bring. And suddenly it is like a chokehold of overwhelm, like, oh my God, all these rooms, all this space, how are we ever going to furnish it? And it feels really intimidating. Part of the reason that happens is because with all the excitement and research going into buying the house, most people don't account for or account for correctly how much they're going to need to get a home furnished. So that's why one of my freebies is the very first step of something you need to do, which is planning, making a plan. And it's not too late to plan after you've moved in. If you've been in a home one or two years and you still have empty rooms, it's still not too late to plan. And this planner guides you through how to do that. Plus it gives you a budget guide because I realized most people just had no idea. I took for granted you all knew how much a sofa cost or what a chair cost, and you don't. And that's a problem. You need to know that, right? So this tells you how to set aside that money, make a plan for yourself to do that, set yourself a deadline for when you can get a certain project done, and that's going to help you. Once you do that and you take small steps, it reduces the overwhelm because you feel like it's attainable. You can get there. But if you just move in and feel like, oh my God, there's just too many empty rooms. I'm never going to get to it. I'm never going to get to it this year. So we'll just figure it out whenever. I will promise you that whenever never comes. I have had people that live in homes five years or more that have a third of the rooms empty because they just didn't make it a priority and plan for it. And you have to the same way you plan to buy your house. You probably would not have the house you have without the planning that you did before it you know, getting the mortgage, establishing your finances, researching the neighborhood, all that stuff is planning. The same thing goes in with this because yes, it is an investment. So you do need to plan for it. So space in and of itself can be intimidating, but don't let it be because there is a way to plan for it. My freebie helps you out and just learning about what you need to do will relieve that overwhelm and get you on course for taking care of it. The other big thing that I hear all the time is I don't know how to decorate my house because I don't know how I can make every room cohesive. And meaning that people feel like they have to decorate the whole house at once or it's not going to come together cohesively. It's not true at all. First of all, decorating a home in phases is perfectly fine. And even as a designer years ago, when I would take on a whole home at once, we would start in phases. So we would start with like the first three rooms and then move on. So that's number one, just from a budgetary and a time standpoint, it could be overwhelming to do a whole home at once. So you can do it in phases. Secondly, if you do it in phases, it doesn't mean that the rooms aren't going to be cohesive. Because let me tell you a secret. Everybody gravitates. This is like the big secret that's like not a secret, but everybody gravitates towards things they like. We all just do. In our clothing, we do it. We do it with things in our home. If you look around your home, you could look at something you bought this year and you can look at something you bought 10 years ago. And I bet you there is some sort of correlation. So a couple things. If you buy what you love, if you gravitate to what you love, your home actually is going to have a cohesive element to it because you tend to gravitate towards those things that have, you know, let's call it a running theme or certain common elements. Having also said that, a cohesive home does not mean every room should look alike. Let's be really clear on that. I don't believe that at all. So that's another thing. Don't be afraid of that. There are certain rooms that can have differences. They can be different because of their size, because of their function, because of their use. I talk about a lot powder rooms. 
take a powder and put the boldest wallpaper, the boldest color you ever want to use that you wouldn't dare to put anywhere else. Put it in a powder room because it's small, it can handle it, and it gives you time to adjust to it. It might be something you decide, you know what, I'm going to use that in a more main part of the house. Or do it in a guest bedroom or an entry foyer or maybe a fun ceiling application in a dining room. So cohesive doesn't mean every room should look the same. Now, I'm not suggesting it be like a real like mix mosh of stuff and every room is just so disjointed. But every room looking the exact same with the exact same color palette is not great either. There's some people that love blues. So here's an example. I had a client that I helped and we have blues in their kitchen, but we accented with some artwork that has pink and yellow. And then on into their family room, it's pretty much neutral, but there's another bold piece of abstract artwork that has all the blues in it and some pinks. And then you go down in through their family room and it's mostly neutral with soft blue sofas and then some soft blue artwork. So it carries in little pieces throughout the room, but you don't necessarily go into every room and have one navy blue room. So if that makes any sense, that's what I'm trying to get at. So the big concern I hear the most is I'm just afraid that I can't put it together because it won't be cohesive. So keep in mind that you can do it in phases and every room doesn't need to look the same. The other thing is that I'll either hear that you don't really see quite what you want online or you see so much of what you want online, you're overwhelmed. And you also just don't know how to put it together. So you may find a lot of things that you like. You may know of a lot of things you like, and you have no idea how to put it together. So that is what my digital service addresses. And But it's what I really want to address in my course with you. So when I teach you how to get a room decorated, I want you to feel like you can put it together. And you can. You have a thought that is stopping you from telling you that you can't put it together, but you can, because that also is very much based on what you like. And what when you buy what you like, I promise you when you buy what you like, it all ends up working. I have things in my house from 20 years ago. It's not just because I'm a designer. I have things in my house from 20 years ago. I have things in my house more recently. And they all work together because they're all things that I like. They all have elements of things I like. And don't just don't get so stressed about it. It all works out, I promise. (laughs) So I'm hoping to address that as well, because I hear that a lot. That is definitely a running theme. And I really just in general, with all of this, with all of these topics I just spoke about, I want to just sort of break down the wall of this feeling intimidating, of this feeling unaccessible or unattainable. You have the ability to do this with full-time professional help, with sort of part-time professional help of somebody just guiding you, whether it be tips that you get, whether it be a course like mine that I'm offering, or whether it be a service like I have and others have. So you should be able to pick where you're most comfortable getting that guidance, but get the guidance, whether it be watching a video, watching a how-to video, or learning from a course, or hiring somebody one-on-one and having them hold your hand through it. But It is all attainable. And anybody who makes you feel like it isn't, for me, I don't know if they're worth working with. It's just nonsense. So if I've said anything, I hope that I have imparted that this is all accessible. This is all attainable. It's highs and lows, and it's taking any kind of space. And I mean anything. We're going to go back to that cinder block door room for a minute. I made that place look great. 
<laughs> so, and I didn't have a lot of money and I made it look great. So, you know, my first house, we didn't have a lot of money and I went to cool yard sales and I found furniture or chair frames that I loved. I needed kitchen chairs and I painted them. I spray painted them white. I went to Joanne's fabric and I bought a cool fabric and I staple gun the seats and we had our chairs. So look, there's tons of DIY you can do. And people love those chairs. They thought I bought them at like a fancy antique store after I had finished with them. And it wasn't a lot of work. It wasn't a ton of skill. Literally, it was a can of spray paint, a staple gun and some fabric from Joanne's. So anyway, that is my potluck version of my solo episode this week. I hope that it helps you. And I look forward to seeing you here soon from my home to yours. I'll catch you in a couple weeks. Take care. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.